This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. What did Bruce say about uh, the season then really begins when the daffodils start to uh, arrive? I'm sure it's when you could smell the hot dogs. It was always when you could smell the hot dogs from Bruce. When the, when the hot dogs are pushing out of the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Followed by the daffodils. But uh, I don't think there's going to be any daffodils this year, unfortunately. This is going to be some comeback, though, isn't it? I mean, you didn't expect Neil Taylor to fire us to promotion, but when it happens, my oh God. <laughs> It's going to be some party. Well, all, all these people who are trying to summarise why it's all gone wrong and, and they're all saying uh, Grealish is out. If Grealish comes back in this next week or two and fires us to 10 consecutive wins, then I will believe their uh, <laughs> synopsis of why we have failed this season. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now, so I'll play it for you. It's uh, called My Old Man. Floated in on the volley. Oh, it's unbelievable. Jack Grealish on his return to the Aston Villa side has scored a volley. The home fans were singing his name moments ago. They'll be building a statue to him after that. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com, and joining me on this podcast that both mourns our two-game without a win run and also celebrates our entry into the 2018-19 Championship Playoffs. Dan Rogers of the TheVillaUnderground.com and Mr. Chris Budd of The Upper Holt. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. Hello there. I'm mourning the fact that we will no longer have to eat our Villa dogs in the Championship and we can, we can tuck into a Balti pie as, as Premier League title contenders. <laughs> Am I getting ahead of myself? I don't know. Whether... When you start to get ahead of yourself, yeah, people start <laughs> to. Uh, I don't know if is this a villa trait. When you when you say something uh, when you say something like real, people go, "Oh, you're being negative, being negative." <laughs> when you say something positive, no, 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 don't don't say that. You know, like don't we, jinx oh. it. So you, you can't win. You can never win. Unfortunately, history suggests shit goes wrong. Let's let's make no mistake. This will not go how any of us imagine it to go. Well, yeah, that's a guarantee. <laughs> I mean, before before we get into the show, how do you think this is going to go, Dan Rogers? Well, if I think we're, what, we're what talking could... about the playoffs, we're talking about the playoffs. Oh, not my life in general. Um, yeah, I think that Villa Park will be will be the the oh, chop chop. Know... We haven't got long. <laughs> do you know what? <laughs> I haven't actually stopped to think about it yet, and and, I, and I've just you know when you get that terrible sick feeling in the back of your throat when you when you're worrying now. I'm I'm worrying now. It's like. Derby Day nerves all of a sudden. Yeah, I yeah. think we'll be okay at Villa Park, but we need to go to the Hawthorns with a buffer, a couple of goal buffer. Agreed. My nerve, my nerves started kicking in walking down the whole end steps after the game. I was thinking, all oh, oh, right, that game's done, and now, now it's on. This is real now. It's a different vibe this year. It could go. It could go like we just cruise all the way through. But we'll we'll talk about this in a second. Obviously, um, on this show, we will. <laughs> very briefly look at the Norwich game and in terms of just in context of its relevance to the playoffs because uh, it was a dead rubber game after all 
and we should have won, but never mind. We will uh, discuss that quickly. But the main point of the show, after we've discussed the uh, Scott Hogan touch count meter... Smashing it, by the way. <laughs> ...is the playoffs, and it's the uh, two-legged affair against West Bromwich Albion. Although, for a few minutes on that last championship day, Leeds... I think, yeah, Ipswich were winning. So uh, I think when West Brom had, uh, I think they pegged Derby back, didn't they? So they were one mm. goal away from uh, flipping everything. So uh, suddenly they would be playing, uh, well, potentially Middlesbrough at that stage, and we would be playing two legs against Leeds, which would have been uh, <laughs> fireworks. That would have been. <laughs> I did start to th- contemplate that and how I felt about that, but then Derby started scoring, and uh, by then it was uh, ac- academic. Anyway, so uh, first the three points, then we will discuss the uh, Norwich game briefly, as I've mentioned, and then we'll get into the playoffs and look at the West Brom game with a bit of detail and basically uh, evaluate our chances of running them through as we march on to Wembley. Right, three points. Number one, Mr. Dan Rogers. Well, everybody's favourite crab, Ashley Westwood. Has, I thought that was Stan been... Petrov. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, isn't, isn't it strange how, how so many Villa players go on to have such illustrious careers? I mean, Ashley Westwood is, uh, has been unveiled as Burnley's player and player's player of the year. Um, and it was, there was a nice photograph of him on social media holding two trophies, possibly for the first time in his life. I, I have to say that, you know, fair play to the guy. Jokes aside, he's gone on and he's, he's carved a career at Premier League level. Do I miss him? Do you miss him? No. Nope. Well, two, two questions. First question, could he get into the Villa team, current Villa team? I don't think so. Chris Bird? I wouldn't play him. Second question, who would you prefer? Villa's Player of the Year and Supporters Player of the Year, Player's Player of the Year, whatever. I think he won them everything. Mm. everything. Person, of, person of the Century. Pers- person of the Year, uh, Best Nobel Goal of Peace the Year. Prize. Nobel Peace Prize. Mm. Would you have Ashley Westwood over John McGinn? <laughs> Not a prayer. Do you know what this is? This for me, is this is this sort of like symptomatic of... How shit the Premier League is. How exactly. That's what the Premier League is, actually. Yeah. That's what I'm getting to. It exactly. is, isn't it? I was going to say, it's, it's like the equivalent of the Busby Babes, uh, Lambert's Lads. <laughs> <laughs> like Matthew Loughton, Jordan AU, you know, they all pop back up to the Premier League. And Congratulations to Jordan AU, by the way, for not getting relegated this that's season. Good, yeah, that's a good achievement for him. You know, these were young players when we got them, mm. and, you know, they had, but they were, you know, they were kind of gambles. Uh, they're beige, there was no guarantees. They're... But, yeah, they're not, like, outstanding. They're not real characters like your McGinn's. I mean, I put this Westwood picture up and uh, just announced it, but I announced it completely neutral without any opinion of, of my own on that, just to see what responses it would get. And you get the ones <laughs> laughing at it, obviously, uh, which, you know, I, that would have been my natural uh, start-off point if I was doing a tweet about it, take the piss out of it a bit. And then other people, like, in almost revisionist form, mm. going, oh, I always knew he was going to be a class player, oh, class act, completely, you know, fans got on his back, destroyed him, uh, you know, he was always a class act. He was an average player in a shit team. But as we've just said, you know, he couldn't get in the current Villa team and we're a championship playoff team. And he's not as good as McGinn, our, our own player of the year. So uh, it puts it in context. No disrespect to Westwood because when he first signed to Burnley, he was kind of on the bench, yeah, fringe, you know, get, getting games, but, you know, he wasn't like a regular and it just shows you the levels, especially that bottom half of that Premier League is not that hot. And if you took this team, I mean, unlikely we'll keep Abraham. But if we kept Mings or we got him on a permanent, should I say, uh, and we took this team that we've got now, I think we finished comfortably mid-table, no problem. If we make some savvy additions, then we can do you know, pretty much what Wolves has done and, and really kick in because there's so many three points on offer in the Premier League. Anyway, point number two, Mr. Bud. So it goes down to... The final day for the Premier League, it's a straight shootout between City and Liverpool. We'll go down to the last day after City beat Leicester with a wonder goal from company. And after so much talk in recent years of the top four, top six monopoly, you know, becoming very boring and City being out there miles ahead of everyone, in comparison to the rest of Europe, it's become actually a, a, you know one of the most exciting title races really since City and United went toe-to-toe all those years ago. 
the funny thing is the so-called top four actually don't seem to want to be the top four this season. I mean, Arsenal stumbled, Manchester United uh, flaked out in the end, and even Spurs, I mean, Spurs have been hit by a few injuries and obviously uh, playing a lot of games with the Champions League, but none of them have convincingly uh, strode behind Manchester no, City or Liverpool. And um, Sarri Ball's been widely criticised by their own fans, so it's yeah, none of those teams are looking in particularly great shape. Yeah, as you were saying, uh, in terms of a, a a tight race, it's probably one of the the best in Europe. I mean, and the only thing on its level is in uh, the Dutch league with Ajax and PSV, uh, eighty points neck and neck. With Ajax actually on with the on for the treble now after winning the Dutch Cup four nil against uh, Willem Duur at the uh, the weekend. So if they can win the Champions League, that's a uh, Ajax rubber stamped uh, back in back in it as a European giant again. Uh, but yeah, the, I mean the other comparisons like Juventus sixteen points clear, Barcelona and, and won't, nine won't points. Juve win it for like the eighth consecutive year? But Italian football has become so weak, hasn't it? And Spanish football is essentially a two three horse race, and then a, you know yeah. seventeen teams who are bang average. We don't even need to talk about Scottish football. Uh, Celtic nine points. Difference is the same as, as Barcelona. Which, which in recent moment. years, that's a, cl- a close contest, isn't it? It is indeed, yeah. And in Germany, uh, Bayern have got a four-point gap over uh, Dortmund. So the English league, not too bad. I just think, I mean, when you look at Liverpool, have only lost one game. That also shows you the... It's, it's staggering, isn't it, really, to, to think you can lose one game and not win the league with the points tally mm. they're going to end with. It's it's crazy, really. But it, but it also shows you that it, it's not the uh, hasn't got the depth of the league. I mean, when Arsenal, the Invincibles. I mean, Liverpool have got more points than them, but they were Invincibles. But they a lot of those were draws, and uh, you know, which suggests there was a bit more depth uh, in those days. I think the turn, just to turn that on its head, is you know, there's, that's a good uh, good selection of the of the top leagues. But when you look at the Premier League, and then you maybe look down to the Championship, particularly the Premier League this season, and now all those years when we were sort of bumbling around the bottom bottom end of the Premier League, have few points that you require now to stay in the Premier League, and that's a reflection yeah. of the dominance and control at the top of the division. Yeah, yeah. And you know, just picking up that point of you know, if you lose one, you lose one game all season, and you don't win the league. It shows you how it's monopolised to the top of the league for me. Yeah. I think if you look at you know you look at the Dutch and you look at the German leagues, at least there's a competitive edge you know across three, four, five teams and in, in a bit of a mix there. It's quite strange, um, you know, you compare the, you know, the the sort of the competitiveness, but while the Premier League is reasonably competitive between you know, sort of four, five, six teams, mm. it, it hasn't seemed to translate into Europe for a while. You know, it's still the Spanish who've just dominated for the last five or six well, you seasons. Get, you get why super that is. teams, don't you, across the top European leagues? Like I, I, you know, I think. Most of us, I suppose I can't speak for you, but I, you know, I grew up on watching a lot of Syria on on Channel Four. Yeah, yeah. Was. Back in the day, it was a, it was a top quality division with top quality players. And it, every it season, you had about five or it six, isn't. wasn't there, who could win it? You know, the Spanish league. I watch a lot of Spanish football, but you can pretty much guarantee that one of the top three will beat everyone else. You know, Barcelona have, yeah. have, have you know really monopolised La Liga now, a top top quality team. Scottish footballs are. You know, no one's got interest in Scottish football outside of Scotland. Yeah, in Premier in Premier League, I mean, to their credit, Wolves are the only ones that have uh, actually beaten some of the uh, the top mm, four teams record, and, and shaken it up a bit. That's why I was a bit precarious about Liverpool's last game was against Wolves, and I thought, well, on the counter attack, you know, Wolves uh, could uh, bring a few tears to that ground, but I think it would be pretty much academic anyway yeah, with uh, so. City City just needed to beat Brighton anyway uh, point number three let's cast our eyes uh, to our uh, playoff game uh, and if you're looking for a blueprint for how Villa should approach the first leg against the Albion at Villa Park uh, <laughs> by a Leverkusen who uh, are in the mix for a Champions League place in uh, in the Bundesliga played Eintracht Frankfurt who uh, also are in the mix I think they were fourth at the start of play so it's a bit of a crunch game. Mm. Bayer Leverkusen scored six goals in the first 36 minutes to set up a 6-1 win. And now Leverkusen are fifth on the same points as Frankfurt, who in fourth, uh, ironically, have a better goal difference despite their hammering. So Villa, you know what to do. I mean, that would be bliss. Going to Villa Park, 12 fucking 30 
in the morning. It's, it's te- te- technically afternoon, isn't it? It feels like a.m. to most of us. But it f- feels like a.m. <laughs> to me. But if we can go 6-0 up in the first 36 minutes, then uh, I can leave at half time and go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> For a week. <laughs> For a week. Yeah, or, well, three days or whatever it is. Right, uh, we'll get on to the playoffs uh, shortly. Just first of all, I just want to say a, a massive thank you for the new patrons that signed up uh, since the last show. Charlie Pearson, Matt Bowling, James Cardell, and also a special thanks to uh, New South Wales in Australia. You know who you are. Thank you very much. Uh, also, uh, if you uh, use the Mailman Said Facebook page, you can also uh, support us through uh, by become, becoming a Facebook supporter. But if you want to be a patron, just go to mailmansaid.com. Click on the patron link for further details and please do sign up and support the show as we march into the playoffs. Help us in a world of clickbait dross. Actually deliver some independent quality content that's not vanilla and beige. Right, on to the Scott Hogan touch count meter. It's at the moment, it's it's 4-0 to Chris Budd and his merry men against Dan Rogers and his merry men. Have I, had a, have I suffered a bit like Eintracht Frankfurt have here and, and the, uh, Chris's Bayer Leverkusen has, has stuffed me? <laughs> well, I was going to let you off this week because old Scotty boy did not feature, despite getting promoted. His work is done. He scored against uh, Ipswich, got them promoted. Mm. Uh, it didn't feature in the 2-2 away draw against Stoke. I mean, I thought they'd, have, you know, they're paying some money. I thought they'd run him out. I, th- I think he, ra- I think he ran out a long time ago, Dave. <laughs> right. So since Mr. Hogan didn't play, we can't really do uh, a touch count meter. So we're going to, for the sake of. Uh, Healthy competition. This is the question. When Scott Hogan signed for Aston Villa, it was on deadline day, January the 31st. So we're looking, this question basically looking at the value that uh, Sheffield United got from their loan. Mm. Signed on deadline day, up until that point for Villa, had started zero games, came on as a a substitute six times. So in these 17 (laughs) games available for Sheffield United... How many starts did Scott Hogan make? We'll do it too. How many substitute appearances and how many starts? We'll go for the starts first. How many starts out of 17 games did Scott Hogan make for Sheffield United? Who's going first? Chris Bird. Okay. I'm going to, out of 17 games, I'm going to say five starts. <laughs> how many and starts? And that's, been, and that's been generous. You're going with five. Dan yeah. Rogers. Oh, God, there's a lot riding on this pride honour. <laughs> I'm going to go with four. Oh, I had that in my head. I think Dan's got yeah, that. You, did, you had it in your head. You didn't say it, though, did you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a big difference. Big difference. Please be right. There's a big difference, Scott, between <laughs> wanting to touch the ball and actually touching it. <laughs> do you want the answer okay. first to the first question, or should we save that? Yeah, I need to know yeah, whether I've scored, yeah. yeah. Well, the correct answer was five starts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. I could, literally couldn't hate Scott Hogan and Chris Wood anymore. <laughs> I just couldn't. You're going to have to draw up a little, one of those lists of people you're going to kill. I'm going to get a voodoo bud. <laughs> My face is going on the dartboard. So he made six, six substitute appearances for Villa. How many substitute appearances did he make for Sheffield United? 17 games, he started five. So there's 12 other games. How many substitute appearances did he make in those 12 games? Dan Rogers, go first. Six. Chris Bird. Seven. <laughs> oh, only three. So Dan wow. Rogers, Dan Rogers notches up a, a score there. Consolation. Five one, as we call it, a Villa v Blues. <laughs> what are you trying to say? That was the Mikel Forsell of goals. Is that what you're trying? to <laughs> The ironically <laughs> cheered. <laughs> Here's a good one. I mean, it's not a time breaker because this result's been known for a long time. Six substitutes appearances for Villa. How many minutes in total? Ooh. Ooh. Did Scott Hogan play for Aston Villa this season? And how much are they paying him again? Fifty <laughs> 30, million pounds a week. Thirty thousand ish. And all a the week. carrots he can eat. Six substitute appearances. How many minutes in total for Villa this season? Twenty. Twenty-one. Oh, look at that! Look how crafty he was with that. <laughs> Sixty-eight minutes. <laughs> the crowd goes wild. <laughs> oh, he's pegged it back. It's five-two now. <laughs> Should we keep this going <laughs> until he wins? <laughs> until everybody's switched off. Right, one final one, just for just for shits and giggles. <laughs> How many goals did he score this season? Oh. 
Dan Rogers. One. Chris Bird. I'm going to say one as well. What? You're both wrong, it's two. <laughs> right, let's move on. <laughs> I hate Scott Hogan. Oh, I really do. So that's the last I one really of the do. season, because Scott Hogan will not be playing anymore in the 2018 any more football at all. 2018-2019 campaign, so Chris Bird wins that one 5-2. Congratulations. Trophy is in the post. Right, Norwich game. We'll keep this as a short uh, recap. I mean, when you look at that team that went out, because of the the squad depth now, everybody's pretty much fit, which is fantastic going into the playoffs. Mm. It's a great time. The team looked pretty good, even though uh, six players you'd expect to start against West Brom Mm. were rested. Uh, Just read them out quickly. El Ghazi, Grealish, Abraham McGinn, Mings, Al Mohamedi. There were certain players that needed game time going into, uh, mm. well, obviously with the playoffs on the horizon. Courtney House was probably yeah. top of those, I would say. Lansbury, yeah, yeah will he feature? I, I doubt it. I thought Elphick might have got a bit of a run, but that kind of shows you uh, who's in the pecking order mm. behind Juanzebi and Mings. It's swung yeah. wildly for Elphick this season, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it couldn't did. have gone. Doesn't know if he's coming or going. He, he only came yeah. back because he was pretty much a guaranteed yeah. starter and suddenly uh, there were centre-backs coming out of everywhere because uh, obviously we only had one recognised centre-back at one stage and that was James Chester. So uh, Norwich went strong. I was expecting them to get a point. I thought they would settle for a point mm. if not if not beaters. But uh, And after the early exchanges, you just think, well, Norwich, uh, they want to win this and they want to put the icing on the cake. But then Villa, you know, sweeping statement, but I thought Villa bossed most of the game uh, from, let's say, half an hour onwards. Mm. And uh, with, let's say, better finishes, could have won that game as easy as they lost it. What, what did you? What was your quick take of that in a nutshell? It was a nice novelty to, to turn up to a game this year and not really give a toss what the score was going to be. Mm. Knowing that it's kind of, you know, all about... The, uh, the the playoff game the week after you know the week after so it's you know almost like a bit of a pre season outing I thought there were some good patches I thought there were moments where you could see why Norwich were where they were I think their two fullbacks had a really good goal I was very impressed with them yeah Puki got his customary goal fox in the box type finish and when they are, he, he's crazy isn't he he's, he, he's a decent player but they had some, no, they, I thought I thought they were a really good footballing team I think Smith said the same afterwards you know it was two teams who you know it was never going to be a particularly feisty game but both sides kind of went for it they I thought had a little bit more cutting edge in the final third which would you know would figure one thing I thought was was sort of glaring was that you can see the energy that you lose by not having McGinn and mm. Grealish in the middle of the park yeah. And the distribution that Mings gives you, and El Mahamedi down the right as well. I think you know Hutton, while he likes to bomb forward, El Mahamedi does give you more control with the ball and a much better delivery. Yeah, I think the takeaways we uh, you can see those partnerships down the flank that we have now mm. in our first eleven, like your Taylor yeah. and, and El Ghazi, and obviously uh, Elmo and well, it, I mean it's it switches and doesn't it? I think that's one of the things. And moving into the, the the baggies game, that's one of the positions, isn't it? The right hand side of midfield that's up for. That's yeah. probably the one position that's not locked down. I think. Yeah, because Adomo, he he did some great things in, in the defensive half, like winning the ball back. But he's he was just I don't know. At times he was a bit casual uh, in his final pass. I'm trying to decide if he did in, did himself any favors to actually start the game against the baggies at Villa Park. Dan, what what did you think? Would you go for Green or Adomo? I think. Green is is not the finished article yet. Um, I, yeah. I like him, and I think you see glimpses of of excellence from Green. There was a particular cutback in the second half that was begging for someone to to run onto it in in the six yard box and stab it home. But then there's other frustrating things with Green. He's he's got that habit of wanting to I don't know beat players over and over and over again. You know when he can just put a ball in. With that said, you know it, it looked like you know there were six changes. I think that you know Green often would benefits from having a player like Grealish or McGinn near to him, or even an Al Ghazi drifting around. So there was a little bit of that. I thought that you know the, the 70 minutes in the middle were really good from Villa if a bit wasteful it was the 10 minutes either end it was the 10 minutes at the beginning when Norwich yeah. had, had come out really wanted to win it and then at the end we were casual having made a couple of changes uh, and I think one eye on the playoffs because what Green's shown in a few of the previous games that he's, he's been quite tidy linking up and actually coming inside uh, off, yeah. off the right flank he's and he plays well with Green. Grealish because he's obviously played with Grealish through through the ranks so that kind of helps as well yeah. 
Yeah. One of the, the, the frustrating things I think with Green, as you said, you know, he's not the final the final product yet. Is he's you know he's he's quick, but I wouldn't say he's got that real devastating pace. I don't think he's got the tricks of an Al Ghazi, but he mm. doesn't have that. He hasn't got that end product yet. He doesn't. He, there's so many moments where he gets into a good position, and you mm. think just wrap your foot round it and deliver. And he didn't. You know, and I think on 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 a. The Norwich game, he kept cutting back to try and get on his right foot every time and he yeah. became quite predictable the longer the game went on. He almost sort of lost a bit of belief that he could actually beat the fullback. He's a decent impact sub, though, for sure. Oh, def- definitely. Obviously, you know, the defence tyres and uh, the last thing you want is somebody like him coming at you because he is pretty direct when he's uh, when he's running at you. And, and that's why I wonder whether we need to deploy him a little bit differently because the, I always think the threat of Al Ghazi is he, he wants to go at that 45-degree angle at goal. You know, if, if he goes down the flank, he can deliver a ball, but he's also quite eager to cut inside and, and get a shot off. And I, I do yeah. think with Green that he looks more dangerous, more of a freer attacking role, if you like. And I think that's where if you're going to, you know, you, you push between a choice between him and Adoma. Um, I thought Adoma was, you know, he scored lots of goals for us last season and was a threat. This season, it just looks, I don't think he's got that turn of pace. I think his packing, his, his, his passing is... He's packing. He's packing his bags. I'm sh- I'm sure. <laughs> he's, he's allegedly packing, and uh, I'd I think if if you if I was had to make a choice on on the morning of uh, you know of an important game, I think I'd probably just go with Green at the moment. But the thing is, I think you can use him as a combo, can't you? You can put you know one sixty yeah, minutes, one half an hour, whatever. But it gives you great cover on the defence. That's and the this thing is that has got. Yeah, and Smith has been doing that, uh, using uh, combinations of wingers uh, over the last mm. few games to obviously freshen it up. He could even go with the goal threat of Codger out on the wing. Mm. Yeah, the pineapple threat. We're not short of options. I mean, to be fair, he took his <laughs> goal well. It, wasn't, it certainly wasn't one of his worst games this season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll call him the Pineapple Express from now on. <laughs> People were saying, oh, Davis should get the start against Norwich. But I think because Codger's got a few games in his bag and he's uh, started to score a goal, what you do need is a second striker who's actually scoring. Because if we're playing one up top and uh, suddenly we're chasing the game mm. or... You know, for example, that Rotherham game where we went down to... Uh, if we're in the playoff final and it's shitter bust and, uh, he, you know, Smith may go with that uh, the t- trick that he used against Rotherham where he put two up front. So you want yeah, Codger yeah. sharp or, or actually having game time. But saying that, I think Davis... Uh, Davis was was good, I thought against yeah. Norwich, as he was the last time he played them. In that, is it? 4-2? He looks a real prospect, actually. All of a sudden, he, I think, he I think, looks trimmer. He's very, very strong, and his his link up play is fantastic. Yeah, he, he just needs the goals, and then people will start believing in him. I think. Yeah. I think so because his, his his offering outside of the box compared to Codgers is you're going to get a hundred percent work rate, mm. and he does yeah. put himself about. I think as a genuine target man, he's a you know he's a much better player than Codger. But yeah. what Codger offers you in the you know, the 18-yard box is a proper finisher. Yeah. Because you know, Codger hasn't had many chances in the last few games, but every time he gets in front of goal, he seems to bury it. Codger's frighteningly unpredictable. I think that, that yeah, hurts, that's, that, that's yeah. hurt his career at Villa Park, I think, because yeah. you, you don't know what actually you're picking. You know, there's been countless occasions this season where he's looked disinterested, but then you look at those cameos like, like Rotherham and his, his performance against Rotherham and actually against Norwich are very, very different performances. But the you know, strikers are measured by goals at the end of the day. I think if we could work out how to use him perhaps alongside Abraham because that's something else in the in the mix as well. But ultimately Pineapple Express I don't think is <laughs> is an intelligent hold up. No. no question he isn't. His hold up play is not in, intelligent or selfless which it needs to be. I mean his first thought is how do I get a shot off uh, while I'm surrounded by four players <laughs> rather than just yeah. you know passing it without even thinking about it. Uh, the only other thing before we move on because we're starting to get into selection uh, mm. questions for the playoffs so just one quick you know, in a couple of words, Lansbury. I think Smith likes Lansbury because he's now he's fit. He's he's getting him on the field for mm. you know little cameos here and there. Obviously, as his first start of the season uh, against Norwich, but he obviously fancies him above Bjarnason. And uh, you know, had a few neat touches here and there, Lansbury. Mm. But I think Lansbury needs ten games before you really uh, can make a judgment on him. I think I think Lansbury's a he's very much a Smith type player, isn't he? He's very neat, yeah. tidy on the ball. I think his set play delivery is generally quite good. So I think he gives you an option, but I think he's going to be. I think he's ahead of Bjarnason. Well, clearly he's ahead of Bjarnason on the bench. I think Bjarnason will find himself. That's probably the end of his season now. Well, Bjarnason yeah. looks like one of the most disinterested footballers in the world when he comes on against yeah. Norwich, and I think he's 
the lap of honour, I think he uh, trundled off quite early, didn't he? Well, there's, you can, I don't know how much we can read into into to body language, but you know he wasn't he wasn't interested when we went down to Bodymore Heath recently as well. Was something I, I didn't mention. Uh, just picking up on the Lansbury point, I think there's two things at play here. I, I do think that he's got all the attributes to be a great footballer. We haven't seen it nearly enough for various reasons at Villa Park. There's also something else I was thinking about Lansbury as he was playing because he's he's quite neat and tidy, isn't he? Yeah. He's actually at the stage of his career where if you're not going to do it now at Villa or yeah. seize the opportunities that you get, where, where, where next? What 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 is the next move for him? Well, I tell you what happens next. He moves to Burnley and he wins Player of the Year. <laughs> He'll never displace the crab. <laughs> King, right, let's King get. On. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> Let's get on to uh, the West Brom playoff. Uh, mm. dun, dun, dun. Just quickly, uh, West Brom over two legs or Leeds over two legs, who would you have preferred? Albion. Albion. Okay, that's that one settled. These playoffs should be pretty juicy because mm. uh, when these teams have played each other, and this is... 12, over 12 games when Villa have played Derby, West Brom, Leeds, and you know when the Leeds have played West Brom, Derby, Villa. The, uh, a team has scored three or more goals eight times in those 12 games, and there's been four or more goals in a game eight times of those 12 games. So uh, potentially these uh, playoffs are going to lay on some fireworks. The best team in the playoffs... In terms of those results against each other, our leads, they have, uh, out of six games, they've won four, drawn one, lost one. That loss coming against West Brom and the draw against Villa. Derby, weirdly, have beaten West Brom twice at a canter, while Villa and Leeds have both slammed Derby twice. But then you go to the current form, and I think this is the real indicator, because Villa, as we said in the last show, haven't played any of the, the top four teams with essentially our fantastic four, Mings, Grealish, Abraham and McGinn, all on the same pitch at the same time. So we're going into these playoffs in, in, a, in a different shape that these teams haven't faced yet. I mean, when we played Leeds, even though it was only, you know, very recently, we didn't have Abraham and uh, it's a big deal not to have the one guy mm. who scored like pretty much 30% of your goals with his 25. So if you look at the current form, last 12 games, uh, this is like the first week of March, Villa, I mean, one ten, drawn one, lost one, and that loss was against Norwich when we were fanning around with uh, resting six players. The next team close, and this could be an indication of what Derby's chances are against Leeds, even though they've been beaten 6-1 over two games already. They've only been beaten once, like Villa, in those last 12 games. They've won six, drawn five, lost one. So, And they've scored a heck of a lot of goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've scored more goals than any team in the Championship. 26, which is one more than Villa. I think Norwich also have 25. But to suggest they've only lost one in those 12 games suggests they've got a bit more of a resilience about them. And they've struggled against Villa and Leeds. Villa have obviously bettered them seven goals to nil over two games and Leeds 6-1, which shows they probably can't keep up with the dynamoism of, uh, you know, like you McGinn or Leeds, how Leeds play. But maybe uh, Mr. Lampard's addressed that now. And Leeds are the weakest in terms of form of all four teams in the playoffs. They In those 12 games, they've won six, drawn one, lost five. And mm. 
they you know they have that spirit if they play on the day but they they're just not putting their chances away and i don't think they they're not incisive enough I, I don't think and they may struggle and i think that first game against derby is going to be quite interesting to see the level of leads that's a great a great overview of things really and i don't think we could hope to be in a better position going into the playoffs uh, to be honest and you know yeah. everything all things considered especially given the fact that we've got full strength we've you know we've seen Leads up close recently, but I think that because that we knew or suspected they'd be playoff contenders, we've been keeping a close eye on them. I I can't. I think Derby could over two legs be a real test for them. They they look chaotic in game, and I think they lose. They they seem to lack discipline for me. The Albion, from my point of view, concede too many goals. I think they they might have goals in them, but I think that they look as likely to concede. And I honestly sit here, fans over two legs, over 180 minutes against the Albion. I just see us having too much for them, if ever, you know, on a level playing field. Just to throw in some stats, in the last 12 games, uh, the Albion have scored 20 mm. and conceded 19. Villa have conceded eight, and yeah. the other two teams in the playoffs have conceded 12. So mm. Albion are shipping goals, and traditionally they were they've always had a reasonable defence, but mm. you know that was under like the likes of Pulis or, or whatever. Obviously, they're a bit more expansive now, and they do feature two players who have got over 22 goals uh, is it Gale it's got 23 yeah. and Rodriguez has got uh, 22 yeah yeah I mean Albion have got the the worst defensive record in the top 10 yeah so it shows that their firepower has got them where they are you know, I think they won 7-1 earlier in the year and they you know, they battered Leeds they went to Norwich and went, on their day they're a good side it's a but... serious hindrance when you're as leaky as that with goals and we, we've been there that you can yeah. have as many goals and creativity in the team if you want you cannot and this was something we were saying earlier in our season you can't be approaching games of football thinking you've got to score three to, to win well never mind that can you imagine in the old days listening to the radio to get your results Aston Villa five and you high five in everybody. <laughs> Nottingham Forest five. <laughs> it it does. I mean, that's the prime example of yeah. how it's undone us all the way. And now we're we're sorted out. And as as you were alluding to, the stars have, have aligned. I don't want to say it out too loudly. No. We've got the form. Everybody's fit, and and we look like a Premier League team at the moment. Do you know what? the 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 thing that you said about we look a team? Yeah, I think that's the thing. You look at you know we don't want to look back too much on it, but you compare it to last season when we sort of coasted into the playoffs because you know we knew we'd kind of fucked up the top two by about mid-March we knew we were going to be probably fourth Fulham came on their merry way you know on a crazy run of form from about January and had all the momentum Villa just sort of stumbled into it we kind of played against the very average Middlesbrough side and Mm. made hard work of that and made a complete cock-up of the final this Villa team you see the way they play and I think the the disappointments of last year will you know, spur on quite a few of that team. I think there's a there's a lot of players in this side who've got a lot to play for, not just potentially not just at Villa Park. Well, I mean, this Villa team now compared to last season, uh, it has an identity. I mean, you look mm. at the, against Norwich, basically you just slotted players in to play this pretty yeah, much yeah. the same system, and and we yeah. know as fans now what we're watching. We we know you know the yeah. DNA of this team. I think the only the only thing that, as you said, it had the you know, the, the the system was there, the, the style of play was there. The only thing that it really lacked, I think, was that ability to go into fifth gear that mm. McGinn and Grealish and, and Abraham up front give you. We just didn't have that little bit of cutting edge. But actually, the, yeah. the way the, the back line played, I thought they were great. Because, and compare that to being at Wembley last season, and you're looking at, you know, I've just talked about fan as supporters now, we know the DNA of this filler team. What were we watching at Wembley? We're looking at a team that was scared to cross the fucking halfway line. Mm-hmm. I mean, didn't, that, didn't that have playoff a final was um, that playoff final was very similar to that toxic game against West Brom in February, mm. yeah. when you just thought, "What on earth are they doing?" But that shows what the what a transition that we've been through. Really, that I think that you know we were, we had the makings of something and badly lost our way when we when we drew two each at, at the Hawthorns in December. You know, courtesy of that Rodriguez handball, and yeah. we almost had to go through that. You know, to, that that experience to find that DNA if you to to lift the. Yeah, phrase that David just used. I, I think, just in in a nutshell, looking down the list of teams, I think there's a for me a, a real. I don't know. Again, you don't want to be. I don't open myself up to being quoted on this, but there, there seems like an obvious DNA for each team. You know, do, Villa are the Villa are that Villa are the form team. I think that we've we've got some fantastic quality players that have got individual even individual ability to change a game, but equally play so well as a unit. Derby are carrying, you know, they're the momentum team, aren't they, that they've skipped in. I don't think they'll have enough. The Albion, for me, are like we were last season. 
you know yeah. the description that Chris just gave. And Leeds are, I just think that they've got they've got too much has happened for them. You know, they they sh- they should have gone up in second place in, in my yeah. view if they're more organised, they're more disciplined, and they're that team that you know they were easily riled and, and ill disciplined in the one each one one draw with us, and they didn't look at all ready to mount a Premier League uh, promotion for me on the final day. But them, I mean, playing Leeds is a bit like, I don't know, it's like international football, it's like playing somebody like Portugal, yeah, where they're spirited and they'll fight and they'll cheat and they'll do anything to try to win. And mm-hmm. Villa, and that was a good thing about that game coming when it did. Villa, they learned a lot from that and they learned a lot about themselves that they could battle Leeds. They mm-hmm. also learned, don't put the fucking ball out of play when one of their players is down. In the final, we will not be doing Connor Horahan. I've sent him, I think I, I bought 25 first class stamps and I sent him 25 memos saying, Horahan, if you get the ball in the final against Leeds, <laughs> do not put it out against a corner because this time we just, by all means necessary, you've got to take the same attitude as how Leeds play and just fucking put them to the sword by fair or foul. But Villa have got that guts. I mean, we're talking about stars aligning and all these factors coming into play. Villa have got that guts. Mings is, he like, he loves it. He loves the tussle. He loves getting stuck in. And we got McGinn as well. It's the same, you know, same type of temperament of player. Competitive, likes to get stuck in, likes to fight. Grealish as well. Grealish is up for it. And, you know, he's got a little wry smile. He knows when he gets clobbered, uh, you know, the bloke's getting booked. And he'll play to that. So I think we've got character to take, if Leeds get to the final, for example, to take them on in a firefight. And actually some some discreet hidden surprises for people. I think if you'd have said to me that Glenn Whelan will play a pivotal role in you getting and sustaining a playoff push, I'd have probably yeah. laughed. You know, I think many people would have would have been dismissive of that. Whelan, how Whelan is used, I think, over the next two games and, and utilised both at Villa Park and the Hawthorns, I think that's key to this as well. And I don't think a lot of people, opposition fans, will be quite aware of that unless we're six nil up after 36 minutes well once once he scored his hat trick he can he can go off of course old wheeler oh, going back to that norwich game he almost scored a worldie was it the outside <laughs> of his foot yes yeah he had a he had a crack and i think some of those players on the bench have you know do will have parts to play because if their roles come in it's dictated by the score i think wheeling yeah, plays uh, I, potentially in the second leg against in hawthorns you know depending on what we need but looking at that game i mean the first game even if we don't get a great result at villa park i think we've got the firepower to go to the hawthorns and win that game whatever the situation I mean, I don't want to go 2 nil, take two, a 2 nil loss to the Hawthorns. No, but I think that we saw we saw at the back end of last of, of last year that we we carried enough threat when even when we hadn't really formed our you know our identity as a unit really. Yeah. Uh, you know, Al Ghazi absolutely terrified them at the Hawthorns. You know, him and Grealish yeah. before Grealish got clobbered. You know, I know Al Ghazi obviously scored that that worldy, but th- those are the kind of players that. You know, including players like having Green or, or Codger to, to switch in or switch out, it very much depends, as you say, whether we go there holding a lead. Smith doesn't strike me as the type of manager, and on on current evidence, won't approach that game, even if we've you know he won't go in it with a defensive attitude. He's That's quite not aggressive. Something we've seen. He's quite aggressive, and I, I think mm-hmm. he'll go all out. And I mean, Villa, if they have another gear, they could storm through these playoffs. But Villa are Villa, and, and we know we don't like to do things easily. Yeah. The the, uh, the the interesting loss um, going into the the two games against Albion is actually the two best players at Villa Park in that game, and you know in February we were so dreadful and completely outclassed. Really, is that you know, Gareth Barry, who was arguably the man of the match that day? Mm. Yeah, his season's his season's over. Is it? With a, yeah, he's had an operation, so he won't play. And obviously, Hal Robson Carner, who scored that day. Yeah. Now miss both games with suspension. Yeah, after you know getting a stupid straight red, so their midfield is slightly less than it would have been. I think. Yeah, so their pack has shrunk, and I think Leeds have got injuries. Uh... Well, they're, they're I think probably one of their best players in Alioski, who I remember absolutely destroyed uh, Neil Taylor mm. at Villa Park in December. Yeah, he was, you know he's a very good player. Um, he, he's a big loss for them. But I think you know the, the loss of Barry to Albion. Dan was saying earlier about how uh, the Albion have gone into this this run of games, and you think, well, Albion haven't had what I'd class as a big game for a while. They've kind of just coasted through for quite a while. Villa have had pressure on them for a number of weeks, as you said before, with, with yeah. the Leeds game. I think we had the really high pressure game that was the Bristol one. Mm. I think you know, what we had thrown at us at Rotherham was a, mm. very, was a very different challenge, but we passed that with flying colours. Good test to have that one. 
Yeah, and even you know the, the earlier in that run, going to St Andrews, winning the way we did, and then being able to run through Middlesbrough and Derby, we've kind of shown we can win all sorts of ways. I think the, the the big criticism we'd all had of Smith at one point was, can his team play badly and win? You look at this Villa team now and go, well, yes, they can now mix it. They can get a result if they have to. Mm. They can win any which way, can't they? Yeah, because we've got because we've got match winners all over the field and on the bench now. I mean, reading about uh, some West Brom fans talking about their team going into it I think they they played a relatively full strength team against Derby and that you know their fans were saying we're still looking for our you know our system our identity and the interesting thing was they were fourth and the owners thought that wasn't good enough when mm. uh, Darren Moore got sacked and you're thinking well that's you know I wouldn't be moaning about being fourth uh, after getting relegated because it can go tits up as you know as we found out or it can get even yeah. worse and you, you can you know do a double drop you want to say look at Sunderland yeah Exactly. And, you know, look at what's the evidence of uh, West Brom improving since Moore got sacked? They've won won six, drawn one and lost three. So they haven't been travelling well. Well, their defeats are all away from home. That was the key thing I picked up from that stat. Yeah. And I think since they won at Villa in February, they've actually conceded 14 goals in those games as well. They're averaging two goals a game away from home conceded. Mm. So, the you know, the, the stats would say, you know, it's not always that simple, but the stats would say they are there for the taking Yeah, at Villa Park. But this is the thing. I mean, also, uh, I mean, stats are, are all well and good, but also there's that on the day rising to the occasion but the good thing is Villa players have been playing in front of full houses uh, in the last few games yep. so these aren't players that are going to get flustered so they should be bang on it I think we've got guys so you, you look at our you know the, the, the probable starting lineup and you think these are guys who are looking forward to this they want you know Mings will be in his element yeah the one maybe who you think you know Willie mentally have it is maybe Steer I don't know if, how many big games he's played in himself but I actually think so far this season, you know, I think he's he's actually done really well. Yeah, but I look at you now. Al Mohammed, he's played in World Cups, and Twan Zabi, I think, looks a, a slotted well, straight Zabi back into the play back for Man United. He, I think, he, yeah. He, yeah, you know, one of their most comfortable ball players is at Villa Park at the moment. He's so assured, isn't he? When you look at what <laughs> to the, the point to the point of arrogance, <laughs> in you know, the, but like the really good side of arrogant. Yeah, you know, he's he's a fantastic athlete and he's a brilliant footballer Absolutely. as well. I think that's a good point to pick up on is is that for, we haven't got many players who were scarred by our mediocrity as well and and um yeah. you know it was, it was obviously Hutton's or likely to be Hutton's last game and um you know the guy's given a, a lot to the football club but you know don't don't want this to make, sound like a terribly negative comment but is is in a for me, associated with many years of underachievement from Villa, some seasons yeah. he, you know, he was, he was in the bomb squad and wasn't included. But my point is that there's 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 not that scarring across the team, and I think that you know, whilst in recent seasons you might say, you know, a Grealish was there when through the good and the bad, you know, he's gone full cycle with Villa the last few years. Yeah, it's been a it's been a, a steep steep learning curve that's that's improved players like him. You know, he's gone from the high yeah. of bursting onto the scene to you know the the lows of of the off the field stuff to actually for developing into, I didn't think this would be the case actually. And I'm happy to go on record, you know, uh, the ability to go on and become a genuinely top, top class footballer. And we, we've got this fantastic look that, you know, you look at someone like McGinn, McGinn, I think could comfortably slot into a premier league side now, but I think yeah. in time could develop into a, into a really top class midfielder. Yeah. And, you know, this is, this, is this the, the coming together for us at the right time with a bit of, a bit of luck, a bit of a change in philosophy with the, with the management, which again, I have to admit, I didn't, I don't think many of us could foresee that coming and, and coming together as it did even, you know, 15 games ago. Yeah, yeah. And then you marry that up against the opposition that we're set to face. You know, you look at the Albion, they're still in that transition of having been relegated. And I think they're also going to be hamstrung by very unclear decisions at the hierarchy of the club around what they did with their manager. Albion's manager hasn't had time to, I mean, Smith came in, obviously you get that bounce, players excited, mm. expressing themselves initially, but then the reality kicked in, a few injuries here and there, but he's had that time to instill his philosophies, it had that time yeah. to get over a few humps. But Albion, and, just a couple of weeks ago, we're, we're in discussions to appoint the Preston manager, and you think, yeah. well... You know, where's your where's your stable base there? Where's your confidence in 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 even you know is he temporary? Is he permanent? What's the? Well, yeah, I think I think Villa for the first time for a long time are actually all I mean supporters, manager, players are all moving in in one mm. direction, but that's underlined by knowing the reality that you do actually have to work to get out of this league because I you know I know for a fact when we dropped 
and I've seen you know messages from Grealish to uh, people where he essentially, without saying what he said, is expecting to get promoted in that first season just because people are saying we've got the best squad, we've got the best team. Mm. So there was always this bit of complacency, and I mean that's generally, but also potentially in, in Grealish. But he's learned the realities. You know, he's had some horrific injuries. He, he, yeah, two bad ones actually. Which you know that gives you as a as a player, you start to think, well, actually, uh, you know this. Life short, career short, and uh, you know you could be sitting on the sidelines for a year if you get the wrong injury. Um, would it be improper of me to say sorry to jump in just just before I forget on on Mings is yeah he, he's had chronic injury throughout his his career in the formative part of his career and and I mean this with no disrespect whatsoever to Bournemouth but there's some difference motivating yourself and and turning out in front of 11,000 people and it's got to be something arriving in a city like Birmingham and having 40,000 people who have been craving a defender of the quality and of the he's a straight he's a great communicator with a fan and that's not a very good way of putting it but it, I think he understands well he, he, he was he was parked up outside the Aston yeah. Tavern before the yeah. Norwich game yeah. <laughs> I think the fans have bought into Mings from the word go haven't they like straight away he's he is to us this season what someone like Mitrovic was at Fulham. He's the piece of the puzzle where everyone's thought, yeah, I think we're, we're all right here. We'll, and he's we'll spoken well publicly, but he's also demonstrated through his actions. You know, he's, he's dragged us since he's arrived on loan through any number of impressive performances where, you know, even when we were struggling for form, you could see what we were trying to do through him. And I think that yeah. that's, that's, that breathes confidence into a team and it allows, you know, I, we don't have to go back too far and we, we don't need to revisit it at any length. But our defence was so chronically bad to have someone like yeah. that drop into it was, you know, it was season changing actually when you think about well, it. And- I mean, traditionally in, in my time of supporting Villa over the many centuries, <laughs> Villa supporters have always enjoyed celebrating a damn good centre-back. Yeah. And he's the first one we've had for a while. I mean, this is problem about uh, the precarious situation we're in. There is no other alternative but to win these fucking playoffs. No, no. And I think that is a big motivating factor. Well, it has to be for the football club because the reality is that if we don't get promoted, there is not a prayer that Mings will be uh, Mings and others will be at Villa Park. Well, next I mean, season. we're talking Mings, Fact. we're talking Grealish, we're talking McGinn. Yeah. We have to get out of this division. And people saying, oh, yeah, but, you know, McGinn's got a five-year contract or whatever. It's like, it doesn't matter. Those contracts aren't worth all that shit. Does is, all that does guarantees you a good fee. And, and that, that's the thing for me, that when people say, I, I'd rather stay in the Championship over the Premier League, I, I absolutely understand the, the arguments and yeah. the, the points that people make for that. But the status quo won't remain. It won't be another exciting... It, yeah. it will be all the, all the shit interspersed between the good pits... And you won't be watching Grealish and Co. Yeah, we'll be downgraded as a club. I mean, yeah. uh, the party's over and we will be officially a championship team in terms yeah. of one that potentially could be down for 10 years, or yeah, 15 yeah. years. Oh, it's the, not- big thing, the big thing for me going into the, the playoffs now, as you guys have said, is that you can see in this team, maybe unlike last year's team, certainly the first year's yeah, the first year we came down is this team and the squad and the fans, they clearly have belief. Yeah. You see when they get on the pitch, whoever they come up against, they go, we're going to win this. Mm. And that little, as you said, it's basically now or never. You know, Grealish alluded yeah. to it in his Daily Mail interview the, over the weekend. Yeah. You know, it, it, he knows it's now or never. He wants to be here, but if it doesn't go well, he knows he won't be. And I'm sure there's a few of them who will be thinking the same. They maybe didn't realise that as much last year. This year, it's very obvious. The fans know it, the players know it. I think they know there's a job to do. And last year where I think, you know, we've said jokingly, you know, they were putting pictures up of them, super gluing fucking trainers to lockers and stuff. Yeah. This year's yeah. team looks very, very focused. Yeah. They know they've got a job to do. And, and the way Smith's talking is very much, yeah, the 10 winning, you know, 10 wins on the bounce was great. Ultimately, does it mean anything if we go up? No. Now, if we don't go up, it doesn't, doesn't mean anything. This is what I don't like about all this social, it's, I, I, I look at it as, candy flossy airy fairy social media where everything's oh this is fantastic you know 100 pictures after every game making out every player to be like some kind of legend or whatever Mm. it's it all it's all setting things up for a big fall when the reality is any real supporter out there who's not buying into all this marketing knows right there's a job to be done here we have to win these playoffs but we have a team we can believe in now last season we didn't really believe in that team. We had some characters, you know, your Snodgrasses, your Terrys, but it wasn't a team. 
Well, there wasn't enough of them as well. I think that Terry and Snodgrass were, were the standout performers where there was no, there's six or seven of them there. The mentality, as we saw in the first half of the, on that, you know, it was Steve Bruce's very, very cautious, negative mentality. And Too much was left was- to chance as well. And that was that was reflected in how the club was run. And it all panned out with, with, with Wynus and Dr. Tony. Tony's eye. Now you've got Perslow, you see. And I do think that you're starting to see this calm, professional, quite thought through approach starting to emerge well it's, it's a win it's the start of a winning mentality isn't it yeah always be careful though because when you're winning 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 things that shouldn't be happening get glossed over if you know what i mean off off the pitch we're far from perfect and i think we there's yeah. there's lots of change to be done but ultimately we're a football club and we, we will be judged on the results and i think that aston villa need to or you know if, if you're going to get promoted now's the time you know we've this is it and I look outside of Villa briefly, and I speak to a lot of fans of other supporters, and everyone's sort Why? of looking at Why? Villa going, they fancy us to go up. There we go. I think a lot of other people in the league look at Villa and go, yeah, they look in good shape. Mm. I, th- I spoke to fans of Premier League teams, and they go, you're in good shape here. You, you, you can do this mm. this year. Yeah, but they don't watch us 24-7, so who gives a fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's what we say as Villa fans. We When we know, like we when we went to Wembley, when we went to the semi-final of the playoffs last season and it was like going to the dentist twice for 90 minutes against Middlesbrough and that was a Middlesbrough team that we could have battered if we uh, had a way of playing wanted to yeah if we wanted to exactly and what did we do this season we battered them twice there's so much to be said for belief isn't there on the field and in the stands now the atmosphere is better in the ground and the players they just want to go for it and the fans want to see them go for it and I'm, I'm sure this team will. Yeah, but it's connected to actually having a method rather than just yeah. uh, having a way of not getting beaten and uh, hopefully you'll win. Well, you're, you're, you're set up to win games. This is having faith in your ability to win games by playing. Yeah. And before it was almost like we're overthinking. And this league has been overthought. What have we always been saying on this podcast? From day dot, this league is not that good. If you can get your shit together, you can put winning runs together. Mm-hmm. Fulham out of nowhere did it. Millwall last year did it. Well, that numpty at Bristol City's cracked it. If he had a bigger squad, yeah. he could probably he could probably uh, get Bristol City out of the division. And Sheffield United came out of nowhere. They got promoted. They they cracked it. He's an excellent manager, by the way. Oh, well, I've, I keep I keep doing his PR on this show. <laughs> But, and what and, a great video of him, by the way, coming out of his uh, promotion <laughs> celebrations. Absolutely smashed. He'd had a lovely evening, hadn't he? Yes. Brilliant. <laughs> but we've always always said that about Villa, but it was always about you just need to have a team that plays like a team, have conviction, actually have some tactics and a way of playing that you stick to and you you allow it to develop and you know have faith in it that it will actually come good. And then, I mean, we didn't expect it to happen, but then we did go finally on that long winning mm-hmm. run. And when you look back on it, you think, well, well, that's what we should have expected to be doing as soon as we got relegated. And, you know, obviously you spend a few months getting your team together. But if you've got a plan and, you know, we had, we just had the emoji circus of, uh, you know, the owners that took over and there was no real football plan in the, the Villa engine. I mean, good God. <laughs> that, that was... Shelved. Uh, it was a myth. Resoundingly it, shelved. I don't think it actually existed. And the fact that none of these guys have gone gone on to do anything since is no surprise. They're unemployable. I mean, one of them's probably been executed, but we'll... we'll (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you laugh, it's probably true. (laughs) We don't know, do we? No news, very silent. (laughs) Well, the other one was waiting for his court date, but that probably never came around because the prosecution doesn't exist anymore. Anyway, that's all allegedly, and we are jesting there. So are we going to commit to a prediction here? I mean, I don't like predictions because at the end of the day, I don't mean anything. We're talking score predictions. Is that where you would like to go? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't like to, but I'm sure our listeners uh, like that <laughs> I, kind of stuff. I'll stick my neck out. I think that we are going to win 2-0 at Villa Park, and I think the return leg will be a nervy 2-2 draw. That's not nervy. It will be when they go 2-0 up. Oh yes, <laughs> and we've all had a heart. We've all had a heart attack. I'll, I'll be sat motionless in the Brummy Road end. By the way, I'll be the only person not moving, pale. Grealish has been sent off at half time. Oh god, for diving. Oh god. We we talk about these games in the context of if everything's going right, but is this that's before the thing or like, after the Jed Steer own goal? If we play Leeds, for example. <laughs> 
just on the basis of that last game, you know, there's, there's going to be a red card potentially. So oh, you, you know, it, it could be it could be a nasty game that, and that can change a game. Just so, you know, the way the uh, the cookie crumbles. Anyway, Chris Bud, what are you what are you saying? I think we will score in both legs. I think we will win the home leg two 0 I'm going to go with Dan's prediction, and I think we will go and get a one all draw at the Hawthorns. David, you're up. I think. Villa, well, I'm just going to go for it. I don't give a shit. Balls out. <laughs> 10 nil. Villa, if it's not 6 nil after 36 minutes, it'll be 3 1 at Villa Park and we'll beat them at the Hawthorns as well. Well, yes. I love it. We don't Happy care. days. We're just going to be, be beating teams now. That's that's going to be our, our I like mantra. it. Do you know what? We've had our loss. We've got it out of the way. Yeah. Well, you know, that was a Mickey Mouse team we put out. This When, when that full team's out, the stars have aligned. <laughs> Very dangerous to get cocky, but uh, but I think we kind of can be not cocky, but it's not confident. cocky. But they're very confident. There's no reason to not. But you don't you don't win ten games on the bounce if you shit. Yeah, no. we are not a bad team, <laughs> and, and we are still with there's a freshness about it. I mean, we mentioned it in a couple of shows ago, where yeah, you know your Mingses, your Courtney House, your Grealishes, you know they've had injuries or they haven't been playing. And, you know, we've had a little rest on that last game as well. McGinn also had a couple of games suspension, you know, only, only a couple of months ago. The only person who's had probably had consecutive games recently is Neil Taylor of a long yeah. run. I can't think of anybody else who's actually had more than and a he's two really or three benefited game run. from that run of games, by the way. He has. Yeah. yeah. He's grown into his role. He actually needed the run, but yeah. that's only come in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Fulham, for example, their run last season, that started a, a lot earlier than ours. Yeah. And carried it through in the end. And we're 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 in our prime. I, I feel. To be honest with you, my arrogance now shines out. Was actually, I think, at this moment in time, table aside, Villa are the best team in the league. Yeah, and I'm not even wearing my claret and blue tinted glasses either. I think it's it's it's, we, it's just facts, really. That's what we're dealing. Leeds, if they can rediscover their form, they are a threat. But I think our toughest test is the the baggies over two legs because you have got that local derby nonsense. Yeah. That, that filters out things like yeah. form. And psychologically, we haven't beaten them this season. So there's a few things going in their favour. We haven't beaten them for a while, actually. The last few times we've played them, you know, the league, the, the year we went down, I think we lost both yeah. games, didn't we? We beat uh, them when it matters. That's the key thing. Yeah. It's a good point. But also, you know, they've got two top strikers in terms of scorers. We've got one if, if old Abraham, you know, mm. first five minutes at Villa Park goes off injured. <laughs> no. I think Albion have got one or two you know, good players who can influence a game. I look at our spine of the team, and that's a Premier League spine. Yeah. And I would like to think over the next three games that could slash should touch wood be the difference. We have more. We have we have more people who can really grab a, a game by the scruff of the neck. What about Jake Livermore? What about him? Exactly. Yeah. And on that note, as we book our hotels at Wembley, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> we're not that uber confident but uh we you know there's a definitely a massively different feeling uh, than last season in this is in summation the feeling is let's just get it fucking done just get it done now there's two worlds out there for us there's the one where we celebrate and say thank god that's over right now let's see what happens to this football club the other reality is oh fuck we're in yeah purgatory my my question to you guys before we go then would be if you know touchwood everything went as we want it to in the event we were to go up would you be feeling a you know a mood of celebration or would it simply be thank god that period in villa's history is over would it be relief the latter one because uh... i think so as well it, it certainly wouldn't be sort of open top bus parade territory like no. Norwich which by the way broke down <laughs> broke down didn't it yeah. did it <laughs> yeah I think the club uh, marketing department will uh, potentially walk a, a, a dangerous line of making us seem like a tin pot club if you know what I mean in over celebrating it yeah and using words like promised land mm. yeah but the thing to celebrate is how we came out of nowhere I mean we haven't done Absolutely. it yet, yeah the, 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 the manner in which we could do it would be a hell of a story one minute you're writing off the season and quite rightly so well we've written we've written off the season about twice haven't we that Preston game we thought fucking hell this season's done and then Again against yeah. Brentford and West Brom in February. Because you, you also, you know, as a Villa fan, fate 
twists and turns in strange ways. We never do it easy ways. <laughs> this was a club five days from administration, need I remind you. <laughs> yeah, we, and there's, yeah, there's that second bit. Not only in, in season is it over, but last summer, the, you know, the whole game was potentially over. And this season was just seen as like, well, let's just get through it. Let's just survive it. Well, this is a club that's won a European Cup off someone's shin. But what I what I will say is uh, there is that scenario, that narrative of uh, we if we fail this season, people will go, oh well, you know, it was a good season. We, you know, it was an entertaining season, so it was a good. And I I I can't bring myself to that. If we fail, we failed. Do you get me? Completely. We said this you know, weeks ago. There's been lots of singular, you know, very very good moments. Very entertaining. There's been some crazy games and ups and downs, but ultimately it doesn't mean anything if you don't get the result. You, yeah, you know, we'll look back on the season. If 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 we were to get promoted, you'd look back on the season and go, wow, that was a mental season. You know, this, people have seen things that we've never seen before, you know, like the yeah. five all and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, But it doesn't mean anything if you don't end the season on a high. Yeah, it would be a waste of some great moments mm. if we don't Absolutely. get promoted. Absolutely. If we Absolutely. get promoted, then you don't bring out the DVD of the season. You just bring out the DVD of the, the second half of the season. Well, they could do the first half as like a horror story double bill. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we will slide in another show, hopefully before the second leg at the Hawthorns, where Dan Rogers is trying to uh, infiltrate uh, into the uh, Brummy Road end. Second time this season. I think the only way you get out of that air alive is if we, if we take a handsome lead into uh, that second what leg. What I might do is I could be a Villa Dog seller on the on the ah. concourse. Get <laughs> your dogs! You know, in like in America, they uh, <laughs> they have those t-shirt cannons where they fire t-shirts <laughs> into the crowd. If you do a Villa Dog version, mate, you basically stand pitch sized and fire <laughs> fire Villa dogs down people's throats, firing. Uh... Firing Villa shirts into the Brummy Road end. (laughs) Right, until next time, please do, if you listen on Apple or Stroke iTunes, please do give us a review and uh, tell us what you like about the show. You know, give us a five stars, then you can say whatever you want about the show. Most importantly, it's just to get word of mouth out there. Please do tell friends who've got a bit of a sense of humour. This isn't like a mainstream show that just, you know, any old Villa fan will listen to. It's obviously of a particular taste and intellect and humor so please do uh, spread the words retweet facebook share it if you can but you know most of all tell your nearest and dearest please do become a patron if you can uh, go to myomanset.com and check out the patron option there and why don't you buy a my Man said t-shirt and wear it with pride at the hawthorns and at wembley <laughs> until next time it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them goodbye goodbye my old man said Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.